eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, this is Take Command. I'm Logan Paulson. That's Matt Essig. Uh, Craig is in... You're up getting married. I think he's already married. He's hanging on like a honeymoon now, which is pretty cool. Congratulations. Um, I guess, yeah, congratulations to him. Yeah, I should have said congratulations <laughs> earlier, but I was so nervous I forgot. Um, yeah, so congratulations to him. Obviously, John Kime was supposed to be here. Not here because of the Brian Robinson thing. So we're going to do a little bit of Q&A right now. We have some questions that we've come up with that we're going to kind of uh, close out the show with for 15 minutes or so. What do you think, Matt? Good Sounds idea? Sounds great. And you're going to be answering these, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if the, any questions are deemed more towards swimming or NCAA swimming, then sure, I'll take it. If you if you have any you if sw- you have any questions about a stroke technique, I got you. Other than that, probably not my uh, not my thing. <laughs> are you uh, are you big swimmer? Uh, yeah, I actually I was an NCAA uh, D1 swimmer. I swam up at Stony Brook University. Go oh. Sea Wolves. Um, That's awesome. Had a great time up there. And uh, then after the team went under Title IX, came back home, graduated from Marymount, and uh, I'm a okay. I'm a local boy. I grew up in I started out in Burke, Virginia, then went to in Arlington, graduated from Yorktown High. So I'm a local boy. That it was all the DMV swimming, all that jazz. Yeah, well, that's awesome. What 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 events did you? Do? I was mid distance freestyle and backstroke. Uh, so the, what's mid distance like a mile? Two hundred free, five hundred okay. free. 4 a.m., 200 back, and I could do a 1,000 if I had to, but let's be honest, I kind of kept those times hidden from my coaches So because I really sure. I didn't want to. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought, you know, swimming, how hard could it be? I remember I broke my foot in college, and they were like, oh, go up to the pool and swim a couple laps, and I was like, all right. And I think they said something crazy, like swim like 10 laps, and it wasn't, I was like, oh, yeah, 10 down and backs, no big deal. And I did one. And I was like, I might drown in this pool because like I was, I was there unsupervised. So a lot of respect for swimmers and what they, uh, what they bring to the table. No doubt. Thank you. Um, but I gotta ask, as a one athlete to another, uh, obviously your career went a lot farther and was a lot better than mine. But I gotta ask because we've had a lot of questions regarding just the Washington franchise, Washington's coaching style. What makes consistency in the nfl Mm. like if we're looking at a program how do they stay consistent what makes a program stay look consistent all that yeah so i think there's 
two parts to this question that we probably could talk about. One is like consistency for a player and what is consistency for an organization. And so let's start with the organization. Then Matt, just remind me to come back for consistency for a player. So organization, yeah, organization, organizational consistency um, is interesting. And like, I feel somewhat qualified to talk about this, not entirely, but I've played for a whole bunch of different teams in various stages of rebuilds or playoff pushes or whatever they're doing. And one of the things that I think is is critical is just getting the right people in the building and what does that mean like that's getting the right coaches so so for example when i was in atlanta it was a year after they had just won the super bowl and they were kind of on the verge of a total rebuild right you can tell you could tell things weren't going the right direction the head coach was the same a lot of the players were the same but it wasn't trending in the right direction and i look at that as an example of you know uh dan quinn is one of the like most fantastic human beings you'll ever meet in coaching. He did an excellent job of building a culture of players who wanted to compete and fight for the organization and for him. The problem was when they won the Super Bowl, Kyle left and Dan stopped calling plays. He stopped, he kind of transitioned from being the head coach, defensive coordinator to just head coach. And so they had to hire two new coordinators. And obviously Kyle is one of the most brilliant football minds in the entire world. And losing him kind of made the offense take a step back so making sure you have a the right coach because there's an example of you have the right head coach you have a guy who is a great motivator of people but also those coordinators are extremely important for building kind of your brand and your culture within within the team right because like what is your identity kyle has a very clear identity of what he thinks good offensive football looks like and dan had a very clear defensive philosophy which you know got them basically four and a half minutes from winning a super bowl and so when those people left like being able to identify hey we need new pieces here we need new new coordinators to kind of address this and then that coordinator element's huge but also there's the player element right and the player element is just making sure you have the appropriate amount of talent in the building at all times. So like when I was in Houston, for example, uh, Bill O'Brien was the, co- was the coach there. Uh, coach Kelly was the offensive coordinator. And I actually thought they had a pretty outstanding staff just generally. Guys, you know, Romeo Cornell was the defensive coordinator. But over the course of probably three years prior to me getting there, um, you know, they had let the talent kind of slip out of the building. So despite kind of being a very schematically relevant team and organization, they didn't have the right personnel in the building. Now, that personnel can be covered up by one one position in particular, and that's quarterback, right? And you look at the New England Patriots as being the perfect example of that. And so they had excellent coaches, and they also had excellent personnel, and that was defined by Tom Brady at the time, right? One of the best quarter, the best quarterback maybe of all time. And so obviously there's the head coach, the coordinators, the X's and O's, the general personnel, where a team like, I think a good example of that was like Seattle in 2012, where they had Russell Wilson as quarterback, a kind of growing Russell Wilson, but outstanding defensive personnel and outstanding offensive personnel surrounding a young quarterback. Or Joe Flacco in Baltimore is another great example of that, right? Or Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, right? Really good roster. Those teams are very hard to sustain because instead of needing one good player, which is your quarterback, you need 21 other good football players, right? So when you then then you turn to Tom Brady and the Patriots or Indianapolis or New Orleans where you find that quarterback and that's one thing about the draft and free agency and why the quarterback market's so crazy because if you find that guy you can hang your hat on that player for in Tom Brady's case 20 years you know and you can have an organization that's competitive 
just because you have a competitive quarterback. And I think that that's something that's important for really for people to understand about consistency, right? You can either go, we need 21 good players from a personnel standpoint, or we can find one who can kind of help us overcome the deficiencies of the roster. A great example, I think, of this is the Cleveland Browns and say what you want about Deshaun Watson, but they viewed him in that same light as a generational type of player. The third highest graded quarterback in PFF whenever that was two years ago. So obviously a very dominant player. And they thought this is what we're going to do. We're going to change our culture with one player. And that's why those people get paid a lot of money. Patrick Mahomes, great example. And so that's it from a player standpoint. But just a reminder, you've got coordinators you've got position coaches who kind of build your offensive defensive culture and your head coach that kind of is the ceo of the whole thing and does a really nice job so i think that's that's to me kind of the model the general super vague high level model of what consistency is in the nfl for a team or an organization and i think for a player it's something entirely different and so what i mean by that is like because everyone's been talking about deami brown and his lack of consistency right and one of the things that you know I've kind of learned over my time in the NFL is the guys that can come in and be the same exact person every single day are the guys that make excellent pros. And so you know Ron has talked about Jeremy Reeves, and you know he's getting a lot of pub right now because he had a great third preseason game. But one of the things Ron says about him is he's the same guy every day. He comes in, he's excited to practice, he's motivated, he's dialed in, he's studied, he's making plays. That to me is what a good pro is, and that there's some things in there that lead to consistency, right? You can tell he studies, he loves football, he embraces certain kind of difficult elements of the game, in this case practice, right? And that is a consistent football player. The guy who's inconsistent is the guy who maybe doesn't love football, right? Maybe not overly passionate about it, and it shows up in his inability to study, in his inability to prep, in his, in his inability to do the things that aren't glorified by the position. So like if you're a receiver, like do you block? If you're a receiver, do you make that tough catch over the middle? And I think you can easily compare juxtapose what Diami did to a guy like Michelle on the roster, right? A guy who's getting whacked over the middle of the field trying to make the team. And Diami who's kind of like, man, I got to be playing in this game. And I understand the difference in approach. Like it sucks playing in that game if you're a guy who thinks you deserve more. But also I think it shows you some of the, the reasons in his personality that potentially make him not a consistent football player is like how much does he really love it does is he is he born into it does he want to die for it and the guys who are great pros like julio jones matt ryan like some of the best dudes i've been around they love football they go home and they they have to like the wife has to pull the cowboy collar out of their hand the clicker that they used to watch film because they are obsessed with it and i'm not sure that there's that level of obsession with Diami, and I think that shows up. And again, this goes back to that draft eval process, right? I was able to talk to one of the a scout with a different organization. I said, like, what's the most important element? And he goes, obviously, there's like the physical. Like, can they physically do it? But like, we spend more time on the mental side of it. Like, are they wired the right way for football? Do they love ball? You hear that all the time. And if you want to hear a scout, like, just kill it, kill. A, a recruit instantly basically say like he's not we, we shouldn't draft him they will say he does not love football because everyone knows in the scouting in the scouting world that that is a coffin nail when it comes to you know how that because it how that guy's going to develop and i think the like when i watch him i question his love of the game and obviously it's led to kind of some tenuous development issues you know what i'm saying things where you haven't seen him progress over the years so to me it's 
Dude, they love, they gotta love it, man. It's like everyone says, "Oh, I love football." Whatever. Like you don't know, you don't know if you love football until every single day. It's like, hey, we gotta go to practice. It's like Groundhog Day, every day, every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So I think that that's something that, um, for me, is is a good indicator of consistency when it comes to players. I think also what you're talking about, just in regards to the consistency, is a lot of players buying into the system and being okay with being like, sure. I want to be a part of that. And I guess regarding that, when you have some players who aren't, who are like Deami Brown, who aren't hitting all of the metrics, who aren't being super consistent, who aren't doing the extra bits that you need to do to be able to compete in the NFL, how do you get those guys on board? I think it's tough, man. I think one of the things about the NFL is when you talk to coaches, you hear them say, like, it's not my job to develop you. And I've had coaches say that to me when I was a rookie. I'm not here to develop you. Like, if you, if you don't do well, I'm going to find somebody different. Now, I was an undrafted free agent at the time, so, like, my – I call it my leash was very short. Yeah. My margin for error was was very short. A guy like Diami was a third-round pick. The team's invested draft capital in him. He is a guy that is – has has ability people identified he was very productive in college when you watch him play you see his ability and i think that's one of the reasons fans get frustrated is because they say he's got the talent look at him like look at like what he's doing but it doesn't it's it's a lack of consistency and the consistency i think stems from this idea that like these these really good college players are oftentimes like brought along by the coaching staff they're kind of say like they're they're like insulated that's like a baby they're coddled a little bit and now all of a sudden, like when you have to be a self-starter and you have to be self-motivated to find these improvements, right, in your own game, like they don't show up because you don't do it. So to me, it's the, it's not the coach's responsibility. And this is me as like an old, like I sound old right now. You know what I mean? Like it's not the coach's responsibility to bring you along. You have to find a way to get yourself to where they're going. You don't want to be like the kid at the supermarket that's being dragged by their parent, right? You want to be running down the aisle and they're trying to catch you. Like, that's what you're looking for here. And I'm not sure that he's doing that because I'm telling you, if he was a lower-round draft pick, like, he wouldn't be here. Like, that's just, like, the nature of the business, right? It's There's other people foaming at the mouth to get in his position. Like, do you think McGowan or Michelle, like, do you think they have no. to be prodded or poked? No. Absolutely not. Like, they're dying. Do you think Cam – I mean, Cam Sims is a great example. A guy who started slow in his career but then figured it out. And so I think that's what you're hoping for with a guy like Diami is that he's got the physical tools. One day the light bulb's going to go on and he's going to become a hell of a pro. So I think that's it. So like when you say, is it the coach's job or is it the organization's job to bring them along? No. The people that actually brought me along the most in my career were other players. Like, you know, we had London Fletcher on here last week. And he was, I, I said this, this at the time, he was one of my biggest guiding lights in my professional career. Because I could always be like, well, like, what would London do in this situation? Or what would Lorenzo Alexander? What would Mike Sellers? What would, you know, Kedrick Golston? What would Chris Cooley? What would they do in these situations? And the answer was always like, it always kind of steered me in the right direction because those guys were consummate pros who love football. And then they would give me guidance because they saw that I wanted to come, that I wanted to be where they were at. And that that's another thing, you know, like that is maybe important is there's not really like an old head on this team, it's a very young team. And what I mean by old head is like a veteran in the locker room, right? And those guys are important, you know, not because of their play on the field necessarily, but because of what they do for teaching young guys how to be pros, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so I think that takes us to the end of the show. Thank God that was a lot of talking. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please uh, you know subscribe to the Take Command podcast, which is anywhere you get your podcasts. And obviously, Craig will be back. I don't know when he's back, two weeks from now, next week sometime. Obviously, hopefully, we'll have John on this Wednesday. Fingers crossed. He's a very busy man. But Matt, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, you did awesome today, man. And you really saved my butt. Thank you. And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So see you guys uh, on uh, Thursday when the the next podcast drops. Thanks, guys.